You're listening to Sport, Digital and Social with Mr. Richard Clark. So you will not see us tweet about National Hot Dog Day or things of that nature. We are trying to be, you know, of the sport and of the city here to have the opportunity to start from scratch with no precedent and no, you know, higher up organization kind of helping you out a little bit. The challenge was too great to, to pass up. Yeah, I opened that door, didn't I? Yeah, um, you did. Yeah, <laughs> I pushed it, mate. That's what's going to happen in this interview. <laughs> My guest on this podcast is in a very unusual situation. Colin Kelly is director of digital at a soccer team who've never played a game. LAFC will kick off their first MLS season in March 2018. But unlike most of the recent expansion franchises, they're an entirely new club. For the content team, this is one huge blank sheet of paper. When I spoke to Colin for this interview, he'd barely met most of the playing staff. So how do you create a fresh and engaging soccer tale in Tinseltown? After all, it's the storytelling capital of the world. It's already a crowded market, and on the sporting front, two NFL teams arrived in LA in recent years, and one of the biggest names in US soccer is right on their doorstep. Still, LA have a star-studded ownership group, a nationally known coach, a stadium being built for soccer lovers, and soaring ambition. But will they fly in the City of Angels? Let's find out, after the usual introductions, of course. My name is Colin Kelly. I'm the digital director at LAFC, Los Angeles Football Club. My primary responsibilities, the website, social media, email campaigns, basically anything on a screen. The interesting thing about you, Colin, is you cover a football team that hasn't played yet. How's that been Mm -hmm. for you? Uh, It's posed some challenges, but at the same time, it's really allowed us to focus in on what we're trying to be as a club, right? And, and our club philosophy and, you know, how we're going to, how we're going to start this thing up. So not having, not having players, not having played the game has, again, it's challenging because it's really, you have to think about what you're going to talk about, but that, that thinking has really helped formulate, you know, how we aim to be as an organization. Just to fill everybody in, LAFC are an expansion club. They're coming into MLS this year. And a little bit unusually, there's no precedent. They've not come out of a USL club or an NASL club or anything like that. Entirely new franchise in LA. A few years ago, there was uh, Chivas. They were defunct. Income LAFC. And there's a buzz around them because of your ownership group and because of what you could be going for, the players you, you've already signed. We're Get into that, but what are the story or what is the story that you're trying to tell with regard to LAFC? Because as you said, you could turn your particular predicament to a massive advantage. You've got the, your, your ability to, to use an English phrase to get all your ducks in a row and plan things out very well and very coherently. Yeah. You know, the story we're trying to tell is the story of Los Angeles. And, you know, that has been without, again, without having a team. Yeah, the focus now shifts to where we are. And the city kind of has become the hero of our story so far. And we hope to continue that. And how much of that story is something that's coming from the top down, from the 
execs at the club, the front office, and how much of it is from the fans? Because if I know MLS, there's a certain amount of fans that will already be excited. You'll already have fans groups. You'll already be doing a lot of work. So how much of that story is the guys in the suit saying this is what we want to be, and how much is it organically coming up from the bottom? I think it all came from the bottom. It was, you know, the fans who who kind of came on early and saw what we were trying to do have helped shape, you know, everything from then on. So those those people that were there, you know, before I was even there, as soon as the team was announced, they bought in and you know how we've tried to shape our club, you know, in their vision just as much as anybody else's. Okay, so what are they telling you on social media? What what do they want from their club? A lot. <laughs> Expectations are, are high. You know, but it is a, it's a level of openness. It's a level of, you know, just to have access and understand everything that's going on within the club. They, they want to be super involved and they have been. They want to create an authentic football experience in Los Angeles. They feel like that, you know, hasn't existed thus far. So yeah, we, uh, they, they want a lot of things and they obviously want a, a quality team on the field and we are trying to provide all that. You say it hasn't existed before. I know a few people at the LA Galaxy that might have a little bit of an issue with that. So is that rivalry? I mean, I know that the MLS is big about developing rivalries anyway, but that's a ready-made rivalry because they are a big noise, a kind of established big noise. I mean, when I was at the Colorado Rapids, they were always leading the social media stats. And then New York City came in as a big rival. So you've got the New York LA thing that I know has existed for a number of years. And now there's a challenge from within LA itself. So, you know, how much is what you're doing about that rivalry and antidote to what you, what your fans perceive the galaxy to be, which is a very star studded side. Yeah, I opened that door, didn't I? Yeah, um, you did. Yeah, and I pushed it, mate. That's what's going to happen in this interview. <laughs> you know, it's interesting dynamic in the market. In a way, it's good for us that they are, you know, the, the team that everybody looks to is the gold standard in MLS. They provide, you know, an example of you know, the quality that the league can provide, right? So it's... um had they been, you know, not a great team and, you know, had never won anything, we would have come in and looked like bullies. With the ownership group that we have, we would have looked like, oh, these guys are going to come in and spend money and just dominate this lovable club that never got their act together. But because they have had the success that they've had, it's allowed us to come in and, you know, position ourselves not, again, deliberately, but because of how the fans have asked us to be in a, in a, in a different way. Uh, yeah, so what, what does that actually mean? What sort of different way is it? I'm not trying to get you in trouble here. I'm just trying to explore. Uh, you might be. You might be. <laughs> You've not even played a game yet. So, <laughs> but no, just, what does that actually mean? How are you trying to be different? Because LA, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about what LA are for the podcast. This is, you know, they're a very starry side. They were um, on social media. Their, their attitude is quite cocky. They will happily tweet pictures of their trophies, of which I think they've got five. They're tied with a couple of other clubs in terms of most MLS wins. I, I believe it's five. They're successful and they don't mind shouting about it and they've had the stars to back it up in the past that's who they are and that's and that's fine they had a stinker of a season last year which is interesting um given the changeover from in uh, in in managership as well so that's who they are what's your response just to drill down into it a little bit further yeah okay <laughs> to go back to what we were talking about earlier when we had to like when we didn't have players and we didn't have even the you know the, the crest of the colors you know we yeah you know, i was uh i was the only person working in our you know digital other content team for about 20 months when it first started and you know we had had thought of like what how what are we going to talk about 
And it was very easy for us to try to drift into certain areas on social media, for example. But we decided that we are going to be true to the sport and true to the city. And those are our, our guardrails. That's the lane we want to stay in. So you will not see us tweet about National Hot Dog Day or things of that nature. We are trying to be, you know, of the sport and of the city. And that's that's how we have kind of conducted ourselves. And that's the way we want to be moving forward. Okay, you say you were employed there for 20 months on your own. How have you built up the team since? Because obviously digital, the MLS is a very, very digitally focused league. Sure. We have slowly added on positions. We have a social media manager now. I have a digital manager and a digital coordinator. And uh, we have a video manager, and we're expanding that department as well. And your ownership group, obviously, it's pretty incredible with people from Silicon Valley and Tony Robbins and Mia Hamm and people like that all over the place. How much have they been influenced? And Will Ferrell as well, incidentally, which is a, a one from left field, very much from left field. How much have they, have they had any kind of influence in digital media? Because you've got a lot of expertise, not only in communications, but in culture and technology. We've, we've met with almost all of them in one way or another. And, uh, on the digital side, you know, we recently talked to Brandon Beck, co-founded Riot Games, you know, really knows how to create a, a community and really he spoke at length about, you know, the efforts that they have made to kind of create that, you know, that environment that fosters, you know, community. And so that was interesting. But yeah, we, they, it's not like they're, they don't have offices down the hallway or anything, but they, uh, <laughs> we have met with many of them who have offered their advice in different areas. You must be tempting just to get Will Ferrell on video every week, just talking about. <laughs> I know. We have to, uh, you don't want to go to that well too many times. So we will, uh, we will try to use Will in, uh, appropriate ways, but not, not, you know, drag him into everything that we're doing. What about your players? I mean, the standout player at the moment is probably Carlos Vela. Player I know well, actually. I did an introduction interview when he came to Arsenal. And he's a player that many clubs in the league, I believe, coveted because he's a Mexican player, a Mexican star. He scores goals. He's very, very technically good. And, given the importance of the Hispanic market, not only in MLS, but all U.S. sports. He's a great player to have. How much content are you hanging on him? Well, he only got into L.A. a few weeks ago, so we really haven't had the opportunity to kind of do a deep dive. I think, you know, there's a lot of people wonder, you know, where are the where are the stories with the players? I mean, training camp just started two weeks ago, so we are giving them an opportunity to know each other because none of these guys have ever played together before, essentially. And then we will move in and start to, to you know, create content around around the stories you know, that they have. What about Bob Bradley? Because he's been around longer at the club, I would think, and he's obviously steeped in U.S. soccer history as well. Uh, uh, I noticed you did a lot with him when you announced him. I remember he was leaning up against the wall with a hat, and then he sort of leaned back <laughs> kind of thing. I remember seeing that. So... Um, he's, uh, he's reinvented himself after a tough time in, in the Premier League, but he's a, a good face for you to have as well, isn't he? So how are you using him? Hey, credit to Bob. That was his own thing. Like he has been very willing to, you know, position himself in, in any way to kind of help the club. He's a pro's pro, so he gets it. He is, he's just been great to work with and we look forward to kind of, uh, exploring, you know, more of what, you know, his time in Egypt and, and the other experience that he has brought to the club in depth. And you talked about being LA's club. Well, part of that in MLS, in my experience, is actually to get out into the town. Now, you may not be in the position to do this yet, but that will be coaching clinics with players and and also branding and posters and billboards and all sorts of different media per se. Is LAFC making a splash in LA, the, the town itself, through those sort of methods and other things as well? 
Definitely the the coaching clinics. Our academy coaches, you know, regularly conduct you know clinics in all parts of the city. We actually found an academy player through one who had never played organized soccer before in one of those like you know Saturday morning camps at some local field. So we are definitely trying to be in the community in that way. I don't think you'll see us posting billboards that are you know or on bus stops or things of that nature. It's just not who we are. And the Hispanic population in general in LA, my perception is MLS is trying to appeal to the Hispanic population, but perhaps needs to have more success with it. LA will be a, if not a test case, LAFC will be an interesting experiment, I suppose, in how far that they've come because it's one of the new clubs that have come in with a real potential to, to really kill it in terms of Hispanic fans. How are you particularly targeting them via digital and social? Uh, I don't think we're particularly targeting them. I mean, obviously, you know, the Latino market in Los Angeles make, you know, it's half the population. So you can't, you know, ignore that, but to, you can't, I don't want to say we, you know, we target directly to that, that community that will seem like pandering. But I think if you create again, from a digital perspective, really authentic content that speaks to their culture. Then that's how you can kind of, you know, get the attention of that group. You know, we, uh, we've had some great meetings with some great organizations recently that I can't disclose quite yet, but that, you know, it really opens up the opportunity to speak to that market. I know you're going to ask about kind of the, the balance of Spanish versus English across our platforms. And we try to, you know, we try to have a healthy balance. It's never going to be 50-50 right now. We just don't have the resources to do both. At the same time, you know, it's, it's important to, to address that market. But a lot, you know, the thing is, I think we can reach a lot of the people, you know, a great majority of the Latino market, the second generation, third generation, you know, through the, through the same channels that we would reach anybody. Yeah, the staff that you appointed, how much was Spanish a focus there? Because when I was at the Rapids, it was, and I was coming in from England, so it was a, a different culture I had to learn. I was, I was told the importance of having a certain amount of Spanish speakers and we needed to create Spanish content. And I felt that we, we could never do enough Spanish content and we were so maxed out. We could never give it the attention I wanted to give it. What about the stadium? Because that's on the way up at the moment. How how far is it away from being done? And will you start the season in it? Presumably, you're playing somewhere else to start with, right? Correct. We go on the road for six games to open the season. And then Seattle will actually open our building on April 29th. And it will be ready by then. Okay, but the stadium's been going up. Just talk about the stadium itself, the actual bricks and mortar of it. Where is it? How big is it? And, and what's it like? I saw a recent picture where there was the ability to see from one of the stands downtown LA, a great view yeah. through the, the, in the corners where the stand is open. Thought that looked magnificent, a really nice touch. It looks good, but not, not too big for MLS. It looks like it's going to try and be medium size and intense. Right? Correct. Yeah. And the feature you mentioned is the keyhole. And yeah, it offers, offers a, a view of downtown from that one corner. Overall, you know, it's a 30, $350 million building, 22,000 seats. We've got a safe standing section in the north end for the supporters because that's what they wanted. Um, so we, we worked to make sure that they had the ability to stand during games and also features seats that can be folded down for other events, whether it's concerts or other sporting events in the building, which is a great feature. So the building itself, yeah, it's, it's meant that the rake on it is 34 degrees. Of, so the seats are at a 34 degree angle, which is going to be steepest in MLS. Any steeper, you got to get vertigo going up and down. So it is, it is built up, not necessarily out. It is going to create, we believe, like a box of sound when, when the place is going. That's English, isn't it? That's English, because by being close to the pitch, you will get 
a real intensity, a real crowding in. And one of the issues with going to uh, Seattle or a place like that is is the stadium's very open, very, very wide, and the sound goes up. And even though you've got loads of people there, it's, it doesn't feel quite as intense as even a ten or 15,000 English crowd where they're right on top of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the closest seat is only 12 feet from the pitch. So, I mean, and 12 feet from the touchline. So, they are right there. And even the worst seat in the building is only 135 feet. So, that that is the absolute worst seat in the building to be 135 feet away. So, it is definitely going to be, you know, it is up and the roof comes over the top, which should help keep the noise in. And it should be, you know, that what, from what I've been told and what I've seen happen, it should be one of the best atmospheres for soccer in North America. What content are you creating around the stadium? Because they are very, very interesting to supporters. I remember I was at Arsenal when we were, we were covering the uh, construction of Emirates Stadium. We had a webcam on it, and people would be on the webcam the whole time. The traffic was mm-hmm. immense that we had. And Colorado, our stadium there, was very different with the roof mirroring the Rockies, and people were obsessed by the architecture of the stadium. So stadiums are, are a building that fans love, and it's, it's a real way of creating uh, quick, easy, engaging content actually so it's a it's an easy kill yeah absolutely yeah we have three live cams running on the building right now two are kind of fixed and one we move around to kind of spotlight more interesting features as they're being constructed whether it's the seats going in or some of like the roof going on or the scoreboard going in or some sort of some other progress in the building but yeah fans will just sit there all day and just just watch it so i'm, I'm a little worried when the building gets done we take them down that they'll lose traffic but i guess that's the price you pay <laughs> So when's your home opener? It's six or seven weeks in, did you say? Yeah, April 29th, Seattle. What have you got planned? What can you tell me that you've got planned, rather? We are going to, we're going to, I mean, that is, it's been such a moment that we've all been, you know, internally waiting for. Some of us, you know, myself, two and a half years. Other people have, you know, over three. It's going to be quite the build-up, so we're going to throw every resource that we can scrounge up at, covering it from every angle. You know, there's a lot of things we have. We, you know, the plan hasn't been set in stone yet, but tentatively, you know, we'd like to embed a, uh, some video, you know, people with the team, obviously, with the coach, start to finish the whole day, morning, you know, all the way through evening, try and do some live stuff as much as we can, pre-game, post-game, and then halftime as well. Maybe embed a video team with the fans as they get to experience it for the first time because a lot of the fans have been waiting just as long for this day. So we are going to try to go all out and mostly you know, with a heavy video coverage and again, try to go live at, at different points where it makes sense. Incredible, really. you got the opportunity to cover the start of a football club. In, in England, this is an alien concept. We don't have <laughs> yeah. football clubs starting per se. I mean, even MK Dons came out of Wimbledon and things like that. So, you know, the, the, the idea of starting a, a football club is incredible and, and really growing it and growing that culture and growing the story behind the club. For me, it's a privilege to do that because you don't get the opportunity very often. Yeah, and that's why I came out here. I was with NYCFC before this. I was there for their first season. But again, you know, having the, the backing of Manchester was was very helpful in a lot of ways. Here to have the opportunity to start from scratch with no precedent and no, you know, higher up organization kind of helping you out a little bit. The challenge was too great to, to pass up. And I really, I really am glad I came out here and, and, and took it up. Have you spoken to the Atlantas and the Minnesotas, the Orlandos and the New York guys? Because they've come in recently and, you know, I know at the Rapids, the original clubs made a lot of mistakes and were a little bit behind the curve in terms of social media. And the new clubs came in and looked at the mistakes that were made by all the clubs and have benefited in terms of stadium design, stadium location, fan culture, social media, all those things. 
But were there lessons you could draw and, and did you speak to, to those newer clubs about how you could really hit the ground running? Oh, absolutely. All parts of the organization, you know, have, have visited or have definitely spoke with all those organizations. You know, everybody who else who has just started up recently to try to, to try to learn and credit to all of them. They've been very, very helpful of, you know, we did this, but I wouldn't do it again if I were you or, you know, they've, they've offered really good advice that we've been able to, to use and put into practice. What are your social media numbers at the moment and what are your targets for the end of the year? Well, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm, I am not dramatically concerned with our total number of followers at this point. Again, it's, it's, we could definitely get more if, if we chose to, again, engage in things like National Hot Dog Day or what, whatever. It's really the, the engagement numbers are the ones that I'm most concerned with. And if we produce quality content that people are interested in and engage and share and like, then I know that our following or, you know, will grow based on that. But I'm not going to chase total follow numbers. And I've got the support of, of my boss and as well as to not, not go after that and just know that that'll come when, when we start doing, you know, stuff that people are interested in. Okay, your supporters groups, how developed are they at the moment? What are their names and what sort of things are they doing? Because Third Rail with N NYFC were started, <coughs> what, 18 months before the actual team kicked off, I think, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had, uh, we have the Black Army, who was kind of one of the original ones that has kind of started up. District 9 Ultras, who are one of our also one of the original ones that started up. And, you know, both of them to be forthcoming here with both former, uh, Chivas USA supporters groups who, to their credit, didn't switch teams to go over to the galaxy, but still, you know, we're soccer fans and, and, and we're looking for a team to, to put their support behind. It came to us very early on in the process and we just couldn't turn them away because of the passion and the intensity that they bring. So those were two early groups early on that, that, that kind of adopted our cause. But there are also a lot of organic groups that sprung up. It's full originals started by this kid, Fernando. He's 19 years old, came out to one of the first events that we ever had as a club well before I started for the organization and just wanted to be part of it. And now his group, I think, is the largest of all the supporter groups that we have. And he started from scratch all by himself. And it's been really impressive to see them organize and, and come together and form the, the 3252, which is our kind of supporters union. And all our the supporter groups fall under that umbrella. And they meet you know, once a month to talk about supporter issues within the club. And it's been it's been awesome to see them kind of form up. What sort of events have you been putting on for them? As I say, you're a little bit hamstrung because you haven't got any games or any players. Yeah, so we we uh, we welcome them. You know, we have like little happy hour things, you know, with tacos and Heineken, and we just kind of hang out and talk about you know what's going on with the club, and you know they they bring the energy, and it's good for the staff to meet them and them to meet the staff, and we just it's been like an informal but regular thing that we've done with all the groups. Additionally, we brought them in on more formal occasions to help you know do stadium design sessions. They they're the ones that kind of you know just like I said before, like you know ask for the safe standing in the north end of the stadium. They had their own bar. Uh, that's a, you know, designed in conjunction with, uh, our stadium architects and Heineken that they've kind of formulated how they want it to look and feel. Um, so we've, we've been able to bring supporters groups in to have, you know, have active, uh, discussions on, you know, what they'd like to see in the stadium and we're able to put that into practice. Were they involved in the choice of colors at all? Because I found that very interesting that you went with, with the, with the black, uh, the black and gold, I believe it is, and the, and the badge as well, which was wings as well, city of angels, I presume. Just tell me the story behind that and, and whether the fans were involved in it. The fans, uh, were definitely involved in it and they really reaffirmed. Yeah, you know, we were leaning in that direction. Absolutely. There's a lot of things that we didn't want to do. Adidas came to the table with a bunch of ideas for us as well. You know, the, the colors. 
We, we were definitely eyeing because, again, they really weren't used in, in world football previously. And I guess that's because the referees used to wear black. And so that kind of took that off the table as far as a primary color. And the logo kind of speaks to itself because you could separate the LA out from the rest of the crest. And in doing so, it gives us, you know, some more options as far as our branding and, and what we can do. Is it an angel's ring? Am I right in thinking that's sort of the city of angels, right? It's, it's a tie. It's not an angel's wing. It's, we looked at a lot of different wings. Wings are, you know, if you look at mythology or even Aztec culture, you know, the, the idea of a wing hits LA, the Asian culture in, in many different ways. It's meant to just kind of be a universal symbol of, you know, flight and mobility. And it's an interesting time for sports in LA with the Rams coming back in. And there was the talk about no NFL teams, and then there being two NFL teams, and then you've got an MLS team coming in. Uh, it's it's a slightly crowded market, more of a crowded market with a big dog of M- NFL coming in. But at the same time, I suppose it creates buzz. Have you found a lot of interest from the local media as well? They're coming around. <laughs> Again, the uh, the stadium, you know, because there had like there hasn't been a new stadium built in the city of Los Angeles, an open air stadium since 1963. So the, the stadium really, you know, has become the jewel of the whole organization. It's two miles from downtown. It's, it's accessible from the metro. So the stadium has really drawn in a lot of the local media coverage. Uh, having the you know the two NFL teams here hasn't I don't think it's really impacted us significantly. It does. You know, we are are always going to be you know trying to get that share of attention for all sports in LA. I mean, it is, it is a large market. There is a, it's a very competitive market, but it, you know, it, it remains to be seen that what the long-term impact is. The short-term impact, it hasn't been too significant. Yeah, it's interesting because I found it easier in Colorado to engage the fans than the local media just because the the fans were organic fans. They'd grown up with, with soccer in the last 10 years. They've been able to watch mm-hmm. soccer in a way that they'd never watched it before or been able to watch it before with the NBC deal, with YouTube, with other things going on around social media. Whereas the people making the decisions on all sorts of local media were of a different generation. They were older, they were more senior, and they didn't have that soccer connection. And it's almost like the, the fans are ahead of the media. And I think that will change. My perception, my thought, is that will change going forward. And eventually the eyeballs that young fans will uh, give any soccer coverage will eventually turn things around and obviously the people in the younger people in the in the news media in the sports media will become older and they'll have a bit more of a grounding in soccer but there's a disconnect at the moment between what the fans want and what the media the local media is giving them do you see what i'm saying there does that resonate yeah yeah totally i mean you look at the average age of an mls fan is what like 24 26. And so that's probably not the average demographic of your, you know, six o'clock news broadcast, right? So, it, it, you know, I understand why they're, it's just not on the local media radar to, to, to cover us. Our fans are not, they're the fans of the, the people that watch their shows generally. Our Spanish media has been great. Again, uh, yeah, they, they have, they're, they are there at every training that we do. They have been there right from the get go. They're at every press conference that we put on. So we have had success, you know, in our, in the local Spanish media. But again, with the, with the local regular kind of news, it, no, but you know, that's not really, that's more of a mainstream thing anyway. And we have found success in, in the niches and bloggers and podcasters that have kind of filled in the gaps. Yeah. I found that too with the, with the Spanish media and certainly I, w- I want to talk about the YouTube deal. How strategic is that? How important strategically is that to you? And it was an interesting deal. It's created a little bit of buzz to do things differently. It is. It, it came about very quickly. So we, we were also trying to process exactly what it means, but it is going to be, it, you know, it shows that, you know, both organizations definitely have their eye on the future. 
And YouTube represents like a, such a great opportunity for a major league soccer club to work with a tech giant. It really strategically, it, you know, it's like we, we are looking, you know, well down the road. And, uh, as, as it kind of fits again, fits more of our demographic as, as more people kind of cut the cord and, and lose cable, we'll be able to kind of reach them in the ways that they want to be reached, which is going to be on their phone or on the go. Yeah, how does that actually work? What what is the YouTube deal? Is it it's a it's a paid for section of YouTube, isn't it? So it's not free content. It's a subscription arm of YouTube, isn't it? Correct. So YouTube provides um, essentially the YouTube TV is a is a service that allows you to you, know, you get fifty different regular cable type television stations. In your, including your local stations, it's thirty-five dollars a month, and as part of that, in LA, you will also receive a Los Angeles football club station that will broadcast all our local games. What about your season tickets? I'm not sure you can divulge that information, but how many have you sold so far, and have they gone well? It's gone extremely well. You know, we we recently announced that we think we crossed the twenty thousand. Twenty thousand people have put down a deposit for season tickets, and we're in the process of converting those over into full memberships. We will be announcing, you know, a a significant milestone out in that in the next coming weeks. But it has gone better than expected, and I assume I, I imagine we are tracking well ahead of most MLS clubs. Yeah, you are at twenty thousand. That's that's the interesting thing. I mean, I know I know Rapids. It was you know it's a it's a different market. It's a different market. It's a, di- it's a different club. The Rapids attendances weren't weren't the best in the league. They were among the the lower end. But we managed to turn it around through different sales talk and different social media and being a bit more successful on the pitch. How are you going to develop? your fan base going forward. Obviously, you, you've got to start off and make that connection and deal with the fans and get some sort of success on the pitch. How are you going to develop? Sure. And I think it, it goes back into what we kind of discussed a little bit previously is really being part of the community. If the club has a touch point with the fan, you know, only those 17 home games a year, that's really not going to be enough to to make a difference in their lives. But what we're trying to do is be part of our fans' lives on a, on a consistent and regular basis that beyond just the, our, our home games and whether that's through music or food or art or fashion, we would like to, to kind of be more than just a, a soccer club and really be part of the Los Angeles community. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, you're on the doorstep of Hollywood there. It's got a, a big culture. It's La La Land. You've got loads of scope yeah. there. That's manna <laughs> from heaven, isn't it? Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, the, the, you know, the other thing is it, it does put a great deal of pressure on us to produce quality content just because of the, the, the amount of talent that's in here and the amount of talent that comes out of L.A. Yeah, things have to be really good here because people are, are in the industry are watching, you know, every last little you know, shot that you take and oh, the cut was bad or your color is off or whatever. So it is important for us to nail down the quality. But at the same time, there's a lot of talented people in this, in this, uh, in this market who have uh, helped create content for the club. And how do you think your department will grow? Because you've, you've got a certain amount in, but you haven't got enough to create that brand of LA that you're trying to get to. You, you're going to have to either freelance or grow your department, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to bring on some more video people. And, um, you know, I, I like, I like video a lot just because of the distribution platforms it, it allows. So to be able to, you know, again, with this partnership with YouTube, it's, it's a no brainer to, to, to ramp up our, our video content in that area. And then, you know, because you can watch it across all social media platforms, we were really going to try to lean heavily on video to kind of capture, you know, and our style has always been a more visual and bold style. So video is going to be, you know, where we put a lot of our efforts moving forward. What about Instagram? If, if any of the social media is going to stand out, one would think it's 
Instagram just because it's young, it's very visual, uh, it hasn't got the fuddy-duddy nature that some people attach to Facebook, and um, yeah, it, it seems to be growing massively with vast, vast engagement. Is that is that a social media that you're going to particularly concentrate on? Absolutely. And we have that. Instagram's kind of been the area we put a lot of focus in right from day one. Again, I, I know I didn't want to talk about total following numbers, but we're doing very well there as opposed to the rest of the league, especially having, you know, not having played a game. But yes, Instagram is definitely a platform we're, we're putting a lot of resources towards. Will it be a relief when you actually kick off? I know, oh it'll, be God, a, yeah. I know it'll be a bad day <laughs> itself or a good day, but a bad day because you have loads to do. But it it really must be i don't know if you've got kids but it must be a little bit like um when you have a child where it is a little bit like fun fun excitement excitement fun fun and then it's like come on let's just make this thing happen yes uh i'm very much looking forward to that it has been it's been a wonderful experience to kind of grow the whole thing and see see, see the first players play and see them go out on the pitch the first time uh, a few weeks ago and that kind of thing but it is it's, it's been draining <laughs> and uh yeah i'm just i'm ready for it to start and then once the season starts you know the, the downside is everything becomes very cyclical you know it's next game it's pre-game post-game next game pre-game post-game next you know so that kind of thing um but it will be a little bit of a relief to kind of get more into a routine after all this go 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 run up and what is success you just finally what do you class as success in year one when we're talking a year's time from now what do you want to have happened for the club or especially within digital and social well let's go both let's go digital first and then let's go club on the digital side of things i just you know i want to have i want to create content that engages our fans and if our fans at the end of the year said you guys did a really great job with the content you created i was totally engaged it really showed me you know what i was looking for as far as access to the club and you know that kind of thing that's great that's that you know hearing it from them will, will be the difference I'm, we are not looking to win an award or do anything like that we really just want to create you know engaging or meaningful content for our fans and for the club and for the club <laughs> i was i want to put on a good show you know, we expecting again. So it's an expansion club. Atlanta has kind of set the stage and set the standards for our expansion clubs, and that's gonna be a tough one to live up to. But if they go out there and you know they try hard and, and produce some entertaining football, I think we'll all be there. Colin Kelly, thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Sport, Digital, and Social with Mr. Richard Clark. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. You can find Richard on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by searching for at Mr. Richard Clark or at his website, mrrichardclark.com. Sports.